So thank you, Connie. So uh, as uh, as Jeffrey said, I'm going to focus on higher education in London, particularly. Uh, we've also, unlike uh, David's presentation, got a lot of graphs. So I'm banking your numerate crowd. You look a numerate crowd. Your research, I mean, numerate look to me. I can tell these days what's numerate and numerate. You look exceptionally numerate. Therefore, you have a problem with 20 graphs. So you, you'll be fine with that. I have no concerns about your ability to absorb that. Uh, it's all numbers. Yeah. It's all graphs. It's all numbers. So what you need before lunch is a load of graphs, I reckon, because on a Friday, if you haven't got that on a Friday, your Friday's not worth having. So, as you say, progression to education in London. Uh, my name is Graham Atherton. I run two particular networks of institutions uh, engaged in higher education. One called Access HE, which is based in London, which has 29 HEI members, and one called Neon, which is a professional organisation for those working in access to higher education, which has 70 or so organisations as members, including 60 HEIs. But I also do research, in, et cetera, in this area. And today we're going to focus, I say, very much on London. And it is a lot of graphs, but also it picks up, I think, on, on some of the, the, the points which David was making in his first presentation, because essentially one of a lot of the concerns I'll be talking about today is how we define and understand who are widening participation students. And particularly how the array of data we have in this country, uh, in England, in the UK particularly in England, both allows us to do that, supports us to do that, yet also in a way uh, confuses us in that situation. Uh, and I've also been looking particularly in the London context, but the data I'll be using, or the majority of it, is available uh, in different areas as well so even if you're not you know in London or obviously working in London it doesn't mean that the data cannot actually you can look at it and help you understand possibly your own particular region your own particular practice so we do three particular things first have a detailed look at young participation in London we're focusing on young participation because that's where the majority of the data is this is not to decry from the importance of part-time learners and mature and older learners but this is where most of the data exists so I'm going to focus my attentions there. And also, of course, this is important because this is where a lot of the policy attention lies. Not that it doesn't mean the other issues are important as well. We're going to explore what progress really means and the importance of local understanding. I'm going to identify at the end some thematic areas, to, to geographical areas, thematic areas where we need more understanding. So we're going to begin by thinking about the data landscape where... Um, access to education. So, but first, before we do that, we've talked about London. Now, London's an interesting place to talk about because, as many of you have been aware, this is a quote from um, a report done by the All Parliamentary, All Party Parliamentary Group, the APPG on Social Mobility. Well, if you didn't want aware, for the past four years, there's been an APPG on Social Mobility, which uh, was chaired by a chap called Damien Hines, who's a Conservative MP. It's now chaired by uh, a Labour MP. The APPG uh, does a variety of work on social mobility. What it actually does uh, a lot in, in supporting my colleagues' observations before is look at the definition of social mobility constructed as access or progression to high-level occupations and also more selective institutions, but we'll set that for aside for the moment. But what they did do is look, do some focusing on areas where educational achievement and progression was higher now, you may be aware that we've seen some interesting transformations in London. Uh, if we go back uh, 10 to 15 years' time, and you look at most league tables of particular GCSE attainment, higher education progression, less the case 
at uh, level three performance, but again, as a lead there. You see a transforming from London being uh, near the bottom of, of any uh, competitive measures to being far away at the top. Which is also interesting internationally because most global cities don't tend to be to outperform the rest of their particular country. Primarily because global cities are very mixed in terms of their populations and have high numbers of those from what might describe as poor rural income background. We have that in London, but we also have very high levels of achievement and attainment. So before we go particularly on to London, though, what's, what I'm particularly interested in is the data landscape where widening participation is concerned. We are in a, you might say, uniquely rich position in England where the accumulation of data and participation in higher education by social backgrounds is concerned. I'm also involved uh, in a global research project which I've just completed a report looking at the availability of data on participation in higher education by social background across the world. And it's not too much of an exaggeration to say that the UK, in particular England, is possibly alongside Australia, even exceeding Australia, as the country where there's the most data available, the richest data available on who goes to higher education by social background. Because most countries in the world just don't collect this sort of information. We collect it in, in, a, uh, in a way which allows us to have one, two, three, four, six different agencies producing information on who participates in higher education by some proxy measure of social economic group. And all this data comes out at different times of the year and at different time scales. So some of it is, is very much up to date. UCAS stuff is very much you know, sort of produced literally after application, whereas there's a lag in HESA data, there's a lag in BIS data, there's a lag in DME data, and Hefke's polar data is produced periodically. So you have a scenario where actually this enables the, and supports the politicisation of uh, <coughs> wider participation work because it allows you to pick on, if you want to show there's progress or not progress, well, what you do is you pick on a piece of data. If you've got lots of data to choose from, you can construct your arguments in quite an easy way. So you've got a lot of data, a lot of it coming out by different agencies in a sort of uncoordinated way because while they do sort of communicate, they also produce differently. So DV is pretty much known at Department of Education and Business don't speak to each other, they produce different sorts of information. And ditto, of course, again, and you have people like UCAS who are keen to present themselves as not even a government agency, so their data is the best data, and Hefke have seen ownership of their Polar data, so you've got a lot of information. We'll come back to that in a moment. Okay, for those who, uh, who aren't as a fair in the world of data as, uh, as, mm, as some of us are, it's worth explaining what Polar data is, because particularly this features quite a few times through the uh, presentation, most of you are more familiar with free school meal data. Free school meal obviously is a measure of, well, it's an indicator of young people of below a certain income threshold are able to claim uh, free school meals. Polar is a system of dividing the country up into areas of participation level, which was designed uh, in the 2000s by the Higher Education Funding Council. What you have in Polar is a whole country divided up into five quintiles of participation. With quintile one being the areas of low participation and quintile five being the areas of high participation. 
This is young participation of learners entering higher education at the age 18, 19. What they use is a combination of HESA data and a combination of national pupil database data to get the denominator of the populations within the particular areas. And it goes down to fairly small uh, geographical units. Polar is important because it's Polar that is driving Hefke's approach to widening participation investment. It's Polar which has driven the Prime Ministerial goal, which we now have. The Prime Ministerial goal is that by 2020, we will have doubled the, the percentage of learners in higher education from the lowest Polar quintile area from around 13% in 2009 to 27% by 2020. So it's driving you know, ministerial and policy thinking. So Polar is important. And we'll look into some of the, the flaws of Polar's concern in London anyway uh, in a moment. So that's Polar. Okay, so on to London particularly. What we know about London is that London leads the way where trends in young higher education participation are concerned. If you're looking at you know, what drives uh, young HE participation rates in England, then you're looking at London. The blue line is London. As you can see, all the other areas are here. Here's London, significantly ahead of the rest of the country. That's always been the case to an extent where overall trends, this is not just for, this is not by social background, it's all young learners, okay? Okay, that's up to 11, 12, it's a little bit dated, but look, you can extend it a little bit further and you're not gonna see any great changes. In the last two years, uh, those in East of England haven't shot up. I'll tell you that. It's London's still way ahead. This is important because, of course, one of the interesting uh, contrary, fight, contrary conclusions or outcomes has been since the increase in tuition fees of, uh, two or three years ago is the actual level of participation of young learners. Now, for part-time learners, it's collapsed, as my colleague also pointed out. But for young learners, it hasn't. It's actually started to increase. Now, what's driving that? Well, overall, what's driving that is girls, which are vastly exceeding boys in participation rates, about to 30%, and also regional differences, particularly uh, the power of London. But not only does it lead the way where um, overall participation is concerned, it leads the way where participation from these low participation areas is concerned, these quintile five areas. And this is where we see our, our, our transformational change. So our blue line is London. You can see it starts at the bottom down here, it's in 99. It's at the bottom, it's the lowest performing region. By 2011, it's the highest performing region. So over this time where everybody else has sort of increased gradually, London's gone level, and particularly since around 2003, it's still the lowest performing area. In under 10 years, it's now has a little lead. Graham, what was the top one in 1999? I can't quite see the uh, colour difference. You have a problem there because I'm colour blind. Oh. Uh, but uh, I think <laughs> it's a Southwest. Thank you for my yeah. people close by who don't suffer from my affliction. Yeah. Uh, it was it was Southwest. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But now it runs at the top. You see, there's a lot. You can see here the trend is fairly. Up. There's a lot of bunching here. We'll see the reasons. London's <laughs> Okay, so that's polar data. But there's not, we only, obviously, what we said before was we've got this rich data landscape, we've got other sorts of data as well. So, okay, it leads in polar, but it also leads by measures of free school meal. So, this is participation by learners claiming free school meals. 
uh, at 15. And we'll go on to a moment the difference between 15 and 19. But these are track learners at 15 claiming FSF. And you can see uh, over 2006 or 7 to 2013, again, London, by far ahead, particularly okay, where FSM is concerned. This is one of the big developments in London, particularly in inner London. The numbers of, the percentage of, uh, of young people at GCSE uh, in inner London getting 5A to C from FSM backgrounds is exceeding large parts of the country where non-FSM learners are concerned. And that's a big result, a big result. Now look, 39%, it's a huge, that's, a, that's mass, that's way ahead of any other area. West Midlands at 22, 20, it's almost two and a half times in the North East in terms of progression of FSM learners. Okay. Now, what the, um, but what the, the sort of result has been of this high levels of participation in London? This is a map produced by, kindly for us by Funding Council of parliamentary constituencies in London. And this map shows us constituencies by level of participation. Now all the blue areas are the high participation areas. So the most of, air of London is blue. Now the low participation quintiles is the red area. Now the results of the London miracle, whatever you want to call it, is that in Hefke's terms, there are now hardly any low participation areas left in London, because everywhere is a high participation area, or a medium participation area. So only here, out in the east, is very really low participation areas. All these swathes of the capital go past here, you know, where are we now? Uh, shall we go around here somewhere, let's say? You know, medium type participation, all uh, parts of West London, all very high. Okay, so at least. Sorry, what was the definition of high participation? You mean all participation areas, quintiles? There's five quintiles. So it's the top quintiles. Yeah, the top. The, these all top quintile areas. Okay. These are above forty-one percent level yeah, of participation. Is there a figure on that? Above forty-one percent. Okay. That's a high quintile area. Okay, low low quintiles below twenty-six. Anything above forty-one is a high quintile. Anything else is in between. So. All these areas, high quintile areas. Again, even the lighter blue is your next level, your 36 to 41, so a lot of them are lighter blue. It's hardly anything that is low. We'll go on to that in a moment. I mean, you can get, if you're interested, you can get all these maps uh, for all, all parts of the country. You can get a map for any particular regional area by parliamentary constituency. You get it one for your own area, wherever you may be, in the northeast, uh, in Okay. So, look, and finally, a final piece of data showing London leading the way. Um, now, the, the data before was collected by uh, Biz. Now, we had collect data collected by Hefke. This is data collected by the Department of Education. Now, uh, in the last Parliament, the Department of Education introduced something called the destination measure, which was a way of measuring the destination of pupils at the end of Key Stage 4 and the end of Key Stage 5. Now, the destination measure also included a measure of higher education progression. It also included a measure, given our previous uh, education secretary's proclivity for eliteness and elite institutions and quality in education and all the things that uh, Michael Gold believed in, in a Russell Group measure of participation and a top third of HEI's measure of participation. So what this shows, again, interesting in and out of London, but not a huge amount of difference, but again what it shows us is that 
when it comes to progression to uh, either the top third of HCIs or the Russell Group, if this indeed is of importance to you, then London still uh, leads the way uh, by 13 15% here, the top thirds against the next highest, which is nine in the West Midlands or in overall in England, and also slightly less of a gap where Russell Group's concerned, but still ahead. But overall, you know, the range is five, four, six, seven, six, it's a lot lower. Remember, you know, overall, a percent participation in Russell Group institutions is very low. So overall, the picture is that London leads the way. Graham, can I just ask, uh, other providers, mm -hmm. does that include private providers? Are we talking HE and FE? Well, um, it's going to be, remember, these are, these are learners coming out of school, not coming out of FE, you see, because it's, it's a school-based measure, destination measure. So these are likely to be majority FE. Okay. The reason it's very low is because this is a Department of Education-based measure coming out of school in sixth form. So if you did a, a different measure coming out of FE, you, you'd get a higher level of other HE providers, but you're not as a school-based measure. Okay, but, but, there's a but. Now, well, it all, we look, so we look at London, we see all these high levels of participation. The picture actually, if we look at the local picture, is always more complex than that. What we do here is we bring in some other data. And here, we look, not just at, this is the numbers from low participation neighbourhoods by region. This is our polar data again, okay? What it shows us again is unsurprisingly, London is down at 2,000. You're pretty much low, you know, the top level is the northwest, uh, low levels from London. However, when it comes to other measures like the number of learners in NSSEC 4 to 7, in the lower socioeconomic class groups, as measured for UCAS applications, London, leads the, London actually has a high number of participation there. And also here, the numbers eligible for full state support, again, I've taken data from offer here. So another way of looking at this in terms of, uh, of participation is, are you looking at regional measures of participation? Because remember, in Polar is a regional measure. It measures an area. And it's subject, as we'll see, to what's called the ecological fallacy, which is if you take an area measure of anything, individuals in the area are going to differ. Now the FSM is individual based measure, but another way of looking at it is numbers who's eligible for full state support, because it's a proxy income measure. Okay, so as a proxy income measure, London has a very high number of learners at 70,000. So is this numbers or is this percentages? This is numbers. So it's a numbers. From London's population No, these are number, possibly, these are numbers of students attending from London, yes, possibly, but still exceed those pronouns. Okay, now, but when we dig into London a little bit more, we see some more other interesting characteristics, which makes London complex, always complex. This graph shows us young participation rate in Idachi. Now, Idachi is income deprivation affecting children. It's a, it's a measure of generally low-income measure used by some government departments to drive policy. It's, a different, it's an individual-based measure. Idachi is a little bit a more refined uh, version of the index of multiple deprivation. In IMD, Idachi is more based on children, so lots of income and education, etc. in an area. Now, what's interesting about London, again, is that these are all the areas of the country South East, East of England, East of Midland. Now, this is young participation rate. Now, you see a nice graph here, which kind of implies that. When you're looking at particular regions, 
as you get more learners in that region of higher Idachi scores, i.e. more low-income young people, okay, participation goes down. That's showing the line there, okay? Participation going down, level of low-income learners in an area going up. London is out here. London has the highest level of participation, but by way the highest number of Idachi learners. The highest number of low-income young people are in London. So all this is here, but London's out here as an outline. Okay? Which again shows us some of the problems in polar when particular particular area is concerned. Another graph taken from the same report by the Funding Council shows a similar picture. Again, this is FSM young people. Again, a nice line, pretty much nice line of fit. As participation rate goes down, the proportion of learner key stage four pupils claiming FSM goes up. So in the northeast, for instance, they've got the lowest level of participation as a region, but they've got the most kids, up to here anyway, who claim free school meals at key stage four. London actually has the highest number of kids claiming free school meals by some distance from the northeast in the highest level of participation. It's out here. Again, an outlier. So if we're talking about issues of understanding widening participation at the local level, we've got to dig underneath the regional data, we've got to start looking at really what is actually really looking at different measures of, it, of deprivation, different measures of progression in a particular area. I also include for you here another, another a little table on the key stage four stuff, because it's, I think it's interesting, because this is by quintile. So you get five polar quintiles here, okay? You've got your um, polar one and then polar five. And you see a nice line in virtually every area. As you um, go up, the quintiles, hyperspatial areas, get less uh, kids claiming free school meals. In London, again different, in London, in polar three, you've got 29% claiming free school meals. So it goes up, then it goes down again. So for every other area, is a nice line as you go up the areas, as you go to high participation areas, less kids claiming free school meals. In London, not the case. In London, for some reason, in the mid-participation areas, you've got 29% claiming FSM. Again, different picture. Not all the pictures are individually interesting. Okay, so we're, learning, we're thinking a little bit, okay, well, London appears to be a little bit different uh, from the rest of the country. But again, you know, this isn't really about, this is about London, of course, obviously, but what also the, the merit of what we're trying to do here is trying to think and look at what the various data sources allow us to do is to interrogate in more detail the micro picture, if you like, where higher education participation is concerned for young learners from widening participation backgrounds. Okay, okay now we move on in the world of graphs. I told you it was a new presentation. You'll, you'll, you'll want your lunch by this. That is the thing I'll tell you. This is a graph, okay, showing us higher education participation by local authority in London, okay, mapped against uh, GCSE attainment of FSM learners. So these are the FSM progression rate on one axis, and we've got the numbers of learners um, taking five A to Cs by local authorities. All the local authorities in London. Shows you quite a nice line of fit. What it shows you is that by local authority in London, okay, as um, GCSE achievement 
for FSM learners goes up, HE participation goes up. Now GCSE is a very important measure. It's kind of a, a very good metric of, uh, of the, which understands or actually explain participation rates. I mean, one of the big arguments about the increases overall with, with actually um, experience in participation of learners from all participation areas in the past 10 to 15 years has been that it's a result of improving GCSE attainment. Mm. And this is an argument that, about the effectiveness of widening participation and investment. Because you say, it's okay, well, you invested all this money, yeah, but actually what really happened was more people got better GCSEs Therefore, they progress through higher education. So all this money you've put in, well, yeah, it yeah, didn't make any difference. It's all GCSE goals. But also, there's a very interesting graph, which isn't in here. You'd be glad to know, because you've got enough. Which uh, I have on my stick in here from the Funding Council. But they've done some analysis, because, of course, the Funding Council uh, have a motivation to be concerned about this, because they're the ones who put, really driven the agenda in terms of widening participation. Which shows that, actually, if you projected out the increase in progression of learners uh, from low participation backgrounds against GCSE attainment, it actually does exceed the projected level of increase. Have you got that slide? Yes. It's I'd love to see it. Sure yeah. But I asked them, they don't have it regionally. I asked them to have it by London, because I want to see yeah. it by London. Because mm. what it's sort of telling you is that there is another factor which is leading to an increase in participation rates by young learners. Mm. Backwards. Not just you can't reduce it all down to GCSE. Mm. Well, anyway, back to the presentation. Okay, this is London. Nicest line of fit, which is what you'd expect as GCSE attainment for FSM kids goes up. And you can see how high it is in London, by the way. Uh, participation rate goes up. However, once you start looking more detail, you see some interesting differences. Now, this is the, the graph that's my particular favourite out of all uh, my graphs here. <laughs> I, I love all of them equally, like children. But, you know, I'll, I can say to you guys, I've got some favourites. The reason I've got his favourite as well is because I've done this for other areas of the country, not just London. This shows you the bar graph, these are all the local authority areas in London. The bars are, is the participation rate of learners at 15, FSM learners at 15. The line is GCSE attainment at 15. Now what I'm interested in is why there's a bigger gap between the bar and the line in some areas. So I'm interested in why Havering, Bromley, Bexley, Richmond and Sutton seem to be doing quite poorly. Why is there a gap here? What, what, what's Havering doing? Okay. What's happening in Havering that isn't happening in Lewisham, where it's almost double for FSM Lewis progression. They've got grammar schools. Possibly, but these are FSM kids, physical milk kids. Aim higher and London Challenge. Possibly. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to know what's happening here because what you have here is actually outer London areas more affluent out of London areas, where of course you actually have lower overall numbers of FSM learners who are not progressing at the same rate mm, mm. as some other learners are. And I'm very interested in that. And I'm interested in the overall picture variation because what it also shows us is that, well, the previous graph does show this relationship between GCSE attainment and progression. But this graph shows us by our spiky line, it's not as simple as that. And go back to our earlier point from the Funding Council, 
is that you can't reduce these factors down to GCSE attainment. Because what the line shows us is that for FSM learners in, uh, in Bromley here, okay, now uh, their level of attainment is pretty much the same as in Enfield, okay? That's the same level, okay? Yet in Bromley, okay, only 20 odd percent of the FSM learners are going, whereas the Enfield is 38 percent. So what's the, what, why is the difference between, what's the big difference between Bromley and Enfield? It can't just be the fact that the kids in Enfield who are FSM kids are getting better GCSE results because that line belies that point to get the same level. So that's what I'm interested in. And I'm interested in, I've run this for, I've done this for the North West and I think I did it for another area as well. Now, London's more pronounced. It's a more jaggedy picture in London. You've got a more ups and downs. But the reason I did it was back to the earlier point because I'm very interested Obviously, I'm very surprised in participation. That's all I do, isn't it? I'm also interested in it. But I mean, I'm interested in, you know, where's the, the rationale for what you're trying to do? Does GCC attainment just explain everything? Okay. So we'll show you another graph in a moment, a very similar graph. So that's GCC attainment and B's progression at 15. This is another line. Now, again, it, it, what the government does is B's are collecting your information of learners from FSN backgrounds progressing at 15. The Department of Education are accumulating information on FSM learners progressing at 1819. Now the 1819 levels are higher than the 1415 levels because by 18, if you're in a school or sixth form, regardless if you're from FSM or non-FSM background, your chances of going to higher education are much higher because you made it to the end of pretty much A-levels. And most students, if they get over a minimal level of attainment in A-level, do end up going to university. What I'm interested in is running a relationship and seeing what's happening between, between 15 levels and 19 levels by a local authority. It shows you again the overall positive line, but you'll be not surprised to know, we go back to our area, we've got, oh, we've missed a what's happened there? We've got our geography line again, which, which I don't have over. I know what happened there, because there's no data from Richmond upon Thames, which is interesting. Anyway, okay, so. But this shows us again, the bar graph is participation at 15, by FSM learners, the line is participation at 18, 19. So again, you know, there's differences here, you know, and I'm interested in accounting for them. Because in Bromley, okay, at 18, 19, the FSM learners are progressing at pretty much the same rate. There's not a lot of variation, there's a bit of, there's a bit of upward ground, there's not a lot of variation between that and, say, Greenwich. But at 15, there's still a big gap. So the problem doesn't tend to lie so much at 18, 19, it lies what happens to the kids at 15 who FSM. What's <coughs> happening to those young people? Are they, are they not attaining in the same way? Why are those young people who seem to get the same level of attainment not going to education like the kids in Greenwich? No, they might be deciding not to actively, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not putting a judgment on whether it's a good or bad thing. I want to know what the differences are about. And you can run this data for your own local areas as well to show some of the differences by local authority. Because in terms of granularity and how far down you can go, you can go down to individual school level, of course, with the, uh, the Department of Education data. That is, you right down to institutional level. Now, there are some question marks about that because how the data is accumulated is actually via schools and sort of sitcoms themselves. But granularity is important. So this is why we're trying to get ourselves right down 
So local authority will never see what differences are. Sorry, does participation at 19 know? Mm? Is that just from school data or does it include FE school? It includes school, school and sixth form data. So it's not FE data. No FE. No, it's not FE data. They're not collecting that data in the same way. They are, they, you can get FE data, but this is, because it's Department of Education data, the focus on school and sixth form. So it's not the same. So, I mean, again, FE data will give you a different picture. Just a lot of young people at uh, 16 going into that. They do, they do. I mean, it would tell us something about, um, it would tell us something about possibly the 1890 difference. It would still, I mean, I think the first graph is the one where, again, the biz data is telling you about HG progression overall, so there's still that gap by local authority area. And a lot of young people go into HG um, at 20. They do. Maybe, they, maybe they're going back later on. Mm. There's all sorts of explanations, but I mean, we don't know what they may be. I don't know. To get a wider picture of Do. Okay. Back to London again. Um, this is a uh, best performing authority. This graphic, this isn't as good as it used to be. Unfortunately, this report doesn't give us, a, this slide is limited value. There's also a report that's been produced. The report itself is very good. I mean, the slide limited value the report's excellent, which has been done by London Councils, which actually starts to explore HESA data data collected by the Higher Education Statistical Agency on actual entrance into higher education. And this is comparing different local authority areas. Now it doesn't work as well. I had a better graph that essentially showed you the, the similar stuff before, that there's some very, very high participation areas in London, but when it comes to FSM progression, it's not the same picture. But unfortunately, numerically, it doesn't tell you the same thing. So. We'll, we'll move swiftly on there. You get, you get, a, you get a pass on that graph because it's not as good. Okay, moving towards the end now. We've covered a lot of socio-economic background stuff. Again, back to London. What do you know about ethnic background? That's part of the picture in London. This is an excellent graph taken this London Council's report, which just shows us the um, the sort of levels of of, uh, of participation, the ethnic background for young London residents progression to HE, uh, and We've got high, we, again, you see, you know, we've got, you know, why it's the highest, but come down here and you've still got significant numbers of learners from different uh, ethnic backgrounds going to education in London. I mean, you're a part of the, the picture in London. You go back to what we don't understand enough about London, if you can say what the gaps are, is the nature of ethnic participation in higher education in London. We don't understand enough about how higher education is positioned in different ethnic communities. We don't really understand enough about why participation rates differ. We don't understand enough about the multiplicity of ethnic populations in London. We focus on some of the more numerous populations, but there is uh, over 50 different ethnic groups in London with populations over 10,000 people. So there are quite large groups, for instance, where participation is very low, for instance, the Turkish community. We know very little about why that's the case. We know very little about certain other subgroups. For instance, the Iranian community has only 10,000 people in it, a very high aspirational community. There's bits we know very little about the ethnic picture in London, not enough. And I believe that that's something that, I mean, we are, I'm doing a couple of pieces of research in a moment, we don't know enough about that. Okay. Moving towards the end, okay, we've talked a lot about um, the picture in London, this idea of understanding a local better. I focus mainly on the various forms of data progression by socioeconomic background and what that tells you and the interactions between them, what that could possibly tell you even more. But what's also interesting is 
what's actually happening when it comes to widening participation investment. This is a graph showing you the £180 million per year access investment in London. This collates funding for the London institutions are either receiving as part of the Student Opportunity Funding. Now that's going to change. The Student Opportunity Funding is going to get cut but at the moment we're receiving that money. And, are, and actually say they're spending via their access agreement. So it goes to offer data. It looks at all. If you, you can go to the Office of Fair Access, you can find a table which tells you for every university or higher education provider which has an access agreement, the breakdown of their spend by category. It shows you the majority of the money is going bursaries and scholarships. It shows you um, the amount of money going on outreach. The bit I'm really interested in uh, is this bit here. Now, I'm interested in this because this actually, I'll be honest with you, this is, okay, it is actually this year, but access agreements are written um, uh, about two years and a year and a half in advance. You could have got one that more recent, but it covers like next year's access agreement. But I'm interested in this because I would have, if I did in the future, I would subdivide it as student success and progression. Because when you think about access agreements, you think about offer, you think about bursary and scholarships, and you think about outreach. You think about investment in outreach, access agreements in outreach. There's a lot of money going to student success and progression. Nationally, there's £50 million going into progression. Now, progression means supporting learners when they actually leave Haitian. What's that money being spent on? Because there's a lot of talk about outreach investment, there's a lot of talk about student success investment. I, I chaired a conference uh, a couple of days ago, I had a steering group for my meetings on my networks on Monday. I talked to one of the members of my steering group, I said about one of my networks, and I should focus more on student success, and I told them about the amount of money that's going to access agreements, support retention and success, and support progression. But ah yeah, well, it's tricky to, to, to differentiate it student success retention money, which goes into the teaching pot, very hard to pull that money out. Same argument that was used for the student opportunity funding, same reason that that got cut by half, mm -hmm. maybe more than half, because the university they can't account for it. But this stuff, you've got to account for all the time. Is it making a difference? Tell us every pound that's being spent. This stuff, that goes into the pot. Can't tell you what's been done with that money. The 50, 000, 50 million spent on progression, how fascinating it's going, that's going. Is it going to employability? I don't know. That's 50 million. I don't know anything about Okay. Key points. The data landscape is complex. Um, I think there's a lot of information out there. London leads the way. There's no doubt about that. But London's unique. London has access challenges. My last point, I'm always interested, London has access need. The reason I mean from a purely London-based perspective that I'm interested in the graphs about Idachi and FSM is one of the problems with Polar and the focus on Polar is that taking this logical conclusion, because there's no low participation areas in London, we can shut up and go home because there's no need for any access work because they're all high participation areas, job done. But there's lots of poor young people and low income people in London. We know that. But the reason it's important is because we have a, um, a policy-based regime that by focusing... It's, we're having lots of other data there. It's actually the focus of its energies on uh, one measure. It does run the risk of missing out whole swathes of young people. And it's not just a London problem as well. I mean, any regime which focuses on, which is constructed this way. So if you go back to, I mean, I think it was a very good question the lady at the back asked about the, the, the graph 
uh, sorry, the, the, the map of quintile areas. Because a high participation area in the quintile map is over 41%. So there's 50% that aren't going. But if you invest all your money in, you think, well, you, give it, well, you can do that. That's no problem now because it's not a low participation area anymore. It's high participation areas. Don't invest your money in it anymore. But there's lots of people there who aren't going to higher education. But your money is sustaining Possibly, uh, if you put your, but it depends who you're actually working, investing your money in. But you're told to put your money in low participation areas. You just take it out of there. Because yeah. once it's done, it's done. Uh, and you're measured on your polar stuff. Okay, where are the knowledge gaps? How's the money used? How's actually investment really used? I mean, we know a lot about uh, how it's used. Well, a bit about from offer, but we need to know more about how it's really used. Why are the local differences in HG progression? I mean, you know, my. My favourite graphs, which showed you my bar charts and my lines. What do those? What are those local differences all about? How do you accurately, accurately portray progression of young disadvantaged learners in London? Obviously, it's a London issue for me. I mean, you know, what's the, what does polar obscure that other measures might not? What are the greatest impacts? I mean, if you look at you know micro local level issues, I, I mean, I would agree. We still need to know more about what has a great impact and doesn't. Yeah. Overall, not by social background. Yeah, I have. We have data on the, 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 the nice report that London Councils did. It's very good on the ESA data. Or is London a net import for students? It's yes. overall, yeah. I mean, it drags a lot of students in because London's got a hugely big, widening, uh, big HE sector, a growing HE sector. There's so many student places. What's the interaction between gender, ethnicity, and socioeconomic group and understanding localised progression patterns? I mean, that I think is, is, to me, a very interesting question because what you would like to do is, is start painting or seeing these really granular local pictures, not just by using proxy measures of socioeconomic background, but interacting that with gender, interacting that with ethnicity in particular. Does the data allow you to do that? I mean, particularly, you know, obviously there's a lot of concern about issues like, you know, white working class boys and this kind of issue. But, you know, there's all sorts of, I mean, like issues regarding different BME groups and gender groups. How do they interact? And my final thing I'm interested in is, you, you, you are, having said all that, you are accumulating a body of knowledge about who participates in higher education, who goes to higher education by social background. How do you extend that knowledge across the student life cycle? Because coming back to some of our points about who the wise and the participation learners are, when we start thinking about access agreements, start thinking about outcome-driven policy, because we're getting a real shift now to in access to outcome-driven policy. It is a, still about who goes, but it's about who succeeds and who progresses and what jobs they're going to. There's a couple of graphs that Hefke show at every presentation they've done in the last two years which shows you the research they've done, which controlling for institution attended, you know, control, i.e. Russell Group, not Russell Group, controlling for prior attainment, there is still a, a statistically significant gap in the numbers of learners getting upper two ones and graduate jobs by socioeconomic background, a polar background, particularly by ethnic background. There's a big difference. You may have seen that graph. But that starts to beg the question, how do you start to understand across the life cycle who these groups of learners are? Because one of the reasons, possibly, that you have all this data at the top of the, of the, of the um, presentation about who goes 
is because there's been a huge concern about how you target your activities or your interventions, your support on different groups of learners to enable them to um, progress to HE. So you have this multiplicity of data. When they enter HE, that stops. Now, part-time and mature learners, mature learners, yeah, well, however you call it, you can see a mature learner because they're older. How do you start to think about groups of learners in your higher education institution who are from different social economic groups? And how do you support those learners? Because the argument that you should include, you should have inclusive teaching and teach everybody better, well, my response to that would be, look at any research that looks at universal benefit. In a world of universal benefits, who benefits the most? You're already advantaged. Now, start having those debates in your institutions and uh, you may get short shrift, but you've got to start, if you want to actually look at outcome differences, you start thinking about how you're going to support particular groups in HE. So there's lots of things we don't know about, but there's a lot of things we do know. Uh, as I say, this, so this presentation is available to you, all, all these lovely graphs, and I put the, I put the uh, links on there, so if you want to search it, you can go on and go back to the, the, the sources of all the graphs. Uh, as I say, you probably earned your lunch by now, but if you want to ask any questions, then do feel free to do so. But we have past one o'clock, I can. I know, but people will want to ask questions, but first of all, thank you very much.